Welcome to the Fresh Start Church Podcast, where we exist to influence a nation with revival. Here you'll find preached messages from our pastors. We pray that the spirit of revival is imparted to you as you listen. To watch live, check us out on YouTube or visit our website at freshstartaz.com. And to stay connected with us, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. I have a word. And... Uh... It'll be to the fathers. It'll be to everyone. For the sake of revival, for the sake of our nation, for the sake of the families, especially in this month that they're calling pride, I came to talk today about protecting the pure. of you are standing. Could the other 2% please stand in the room to honor the reading of the word today? Those of you watching online, I'm going to ask you to stay tuned. It is 1127 Arizona time. Y'all have heard me preach before. Are you going to stay to listen to the word? Come on. This is for the sake of revival. It is prophetic. It has been in my spirit for many weeks now. I'll get into that in a moment. But before I read the scripture, um, I want to say, dads, fathers, we honor you today. We appreciate you. Thank you for being strong for us. Thank you for being strong for your children, for the mothers. Thank you for working hard. Thank you for doing whatever it takes for as long as it takes to keep the fire of God burning on the altar of your heart. Thank you, fathers. Those of you who are pursuing Jesus with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, thank you. Thank you for being the strength in your home, a model for your children. Thank you for taking revival to your homes. We honor you today. May you have a blessed and a wonderful day. May this next year until next Father's Day bring you great reward in all that you have worked so hard for. And in the name of Jesus, I break every assignment of the enemy that causes you to feel inadequate and it causes you to feel unworthy and it causes you to feel even hopeless that we've prayed against and broke this morning. I just break that off of you in the name of Jesus. And I say, in Christ, you can do all things. In Christ, you can do all things. Whatever has come against you this last year, I decree over you that God has such a great reward. Because you have stayed standing, because you have stayed true to the Word of God, because you have stayed true to the things of God. Come on, y'all. God is going to reward you. Every father, every dad, as a matter of fact, every man of God, lift up your hand in the room right now. Ladies, let's pray right now. Come on, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray that you release your highest blessing upon the fathers this morning. I pray that you release, oh Lord God, just, oh Lord, an anointing, oh Lord, and a strength, oh Lord, for this next year and this next season. Lord, I pray that you would visit them with your powerful presence this morning. Father, I pray if there be one 
one father in this room or watching online that does not know you or has not been in close relationship with you, that they would feel your presence today, that they would feel your glory today, that they would feel your anointing and your power today. Lord, visit them and come upon them with your presence, I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Everyone that agrees, say amen. Can we give the dads a hand clap? Come on, fathers, we appreciate you. I'll go as fast as I can today. Everybody say, protect the pure. One more time louder, protect the pure. The Lord dropped that phrase in my spirit here some weeks ago. Um, as I was driving, my, my husband and I were driving to a breakfast meeting before we came into the office that day uh, with a couple. Actually, we support them as missionaries and we're meeting them as, for breakfast that day. And um, I, I, the Lord just dropped that phrase into my spirit. I had already been preaching here uh, several times this year and many times throughout uh, this revival on the spirit of religion. And I came to make religion mad again today. Does anybody want to help me on Father's Day to make religion mad? Because if we're going to have revival in this nation to the degree that God wants to pour it out, we must have some revival voices, some voices, some pure people that stand up and say, no matter what, I will protect the pure. And so God dropped that phrase in my spirit. And because of travel and everything, you know, it, we, uh, we have to arrange our preaching times here uh, now around that. It just so happened that this first time in several weeks that I've been able to preach. But this has been burning and, 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 and uh, 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 churning in my spirit uh, for, for a couple of months now. Protect the pure. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Now, this is not going to be on the screen right now. It will later in the message. But Jesus said this, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And this is the goal of revival. This is what we've been doing for the last hour and a half already in this room. We want you to see God. We want you to see God. We want to break chains. Come on, through the power of the cross so you can see God. But what I have to give us today is very clear from the Word of God that there's a path that we must take if we're going to see the level of revival that God wants to pour out in the church in this nation and the awakening that He wants to bring to this nation. And Jesus summed it up and He said, Blessed are the pure in heart because they're the ones that are going to see God. This is the goal of revival. We've said for years around here now, as our definition of revival, it is the sustained presence and power of God. God that results in transformation. Somebody shout transformation. Before I let you be seated, let me say a couple of things. The Holy Spirit has had me on a journey recently to uncover the operation and the deprivation of the spirit of religion. And as I've already alluded to, over the last six years, I have preached several messages dealing, and even some this year, with the spirit of, of religion, as I believe that it is the number one enemy of the true fullness of what God wants to release in revival. Before I let you be seated all over this building and those of you watching online get up off your couch get up out of your lazy boy make yourself an altar get your preach on with me this morning if you don't stay home and watch church you better preach with me right now somebody shout I want the fullness of revival come on 
On your way down to your seat, tell three people, protect the pure, protect the pure. Y'all hurry in. I'm going to recap very quickly because it's been a while since I preached what the religion and the religious spirit is. It has many forms. It has many assignments and manifestations. The goal of this spirit of the enemy is to hide and coexist even with well-meaning people who love God in order to limit, constrict, and restrict the encounter with the fullness of his Holy Spirit. A religious spirit is a hindering spirit that is loose to erect barriers and blocks in the hearts and the minds and to keep spiritual eyes darkened to revival or the fullness of his spirit or we could say more of Jesus. This religious spirit is not mentioned by name in the Bible. However, its attitude and its atmosphere is seen throughout the Old and the New Testaments and it also drew the harshest words of rebuke and challenge from Jesus specifically to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. I'm doing a recap now because it's been several weeks since we have talked specifically about this spirit. Pay attention. It leads you into doubt and it leads you to debate truth. It's antagonistic. It's arrogant. It's aggravating. And I came to make it mad this morning. This religious spirit is jealous, it is envious, and it is antagonistic, and as I've already said, it is a mocking, arrogant spirit with a mocking attitude. It is very important to remember that Jesus boldly challenged and confronted this religious spirit, and also the New Testament church did not cower to this spirit. This spirit will always bring a heaviness on a heart or on a corporate atmosphere for the purpose of preventing transformation. This is why what has just happened in the last hour and a half in this building has totally made religion mad because we pressed through until somebody's eyes were opened that they could be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on. When you perceive heaviness, it can very likely be a religious spirit or a spirit of religion. Heaviness, my friends, is sent to counter or pervert holiness. True holiness is not heaviness. So don't confuse the two. There is a stark difference in reverence and heaviness. Learn to discern. Religion will put a heaviness on you and make you call it reverence. When in reality, all you are doing is accommodating your flesh that doesn't want to sacrifice because it's prideful and it does not want to submit. Well, there you go. One man has said that cults and false religions are easily discerned and discarded, but the religious spirit is extremely subtle and it has attempted to thwart possibly every revival or, revival or movement of God to date. And it still retains, he says, an undeserved seat of honor throughout a huge part of today's church, end quote. And I continue to say that the influence of this spirit will cause you to succumb to what possesses false religions around the world. And that is this, my friends, the refusal, refusal to receive the fullness of Jesus Christ. Come on. 
I believe after six years of sustained revival flow and atmosphere that this religious spirit is the primary enemy working in connection with other demonic spirits to revival. It limits and restricts and makes it difficult to cultivate the atmosphere of his presence unto transformation. I got a word for the pastors and the worship leaders out there. Fight through it. Because on the other side, Jesus will transform lives. As a revival voice, it is imperative that we expose every limitation of the demonic spirit of religion that constrains and restricts hearts and minds and territories from revival. Religion on the surface, my friends, is mainly meaning that you are binding yourself to God. But unfortunately, in our world today, people bind themselves to other gods besides Jehovah God, Jesus Christ. Behind the religious spirit or religion is a demonic spirit larger in scope than we possibly realize that seeks to divert us from the pure pursuit of Jesus and to his fullness towards something else that is less and non-threatening because the kingdom of darkness will make us either turn completely away or compromise the message of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and water it down so much that actually is a false religion. Religion is linked with worship when it is pure, devoted to Jesus Christ. It is powerful. However, religion is also defined as an organized system of doctrine or protocol with an approved pattern of behavior. And this behavior has to demonstrate a proper form of worship. This is when it moves, my friends, from pure to perverted. And demons of religion rise you of the fullness of freedom to worship and pursue God in purity by instituting an appearance of serving God but denying the true power I came one more time to make religion mad today which brings me to what I believe is the root of the spirit of religion and that is perversion So God said, as I was driving, protect the pure. The root of the spirit of religion or religious spirit is perversion. Now listen very closely to what I'm about to say. When something is perverted, it means to lead astray morally, to turn from the right course, to lead into mental error or false judgment, to seduce to corrupt, to divert, to misguide, to pollute, to defile, turn away from right or good. It means wrong-headed. Immediately when you say perverted or perverse, minds automatically think sexual perversion. I will deal with that today. In this month called pride by our culture, I will deal with this. But before perversion 
manifest in sexual perversion, there is a deeper deception that causes a person to abandon complete trust in God Almighty and abandon complete trust in His Word for an alternate contrary belief, thus making them misguided, polluted, defiled, moving in mental error. My friends, they have been corrupted. They are wrong-headed. Did you get what I just said? Protect the pure. The last day fury of Satan and his antichrist spirit, I believe, and my husband's been preaching along these lines, will be the acceleration and the accentuation of perverted viewpoints in the church. Those which have been and those which are yet to be will be propagated, hear me now, from a religious spirit, a perverted spirit, in attempt to fuel the great falling away. 1 Timothy 4.1 Passion Translation, the Holy Spirit has explicitly revealed at the end of the age, many will depart from the true faith one after another, devoting themselves to spirits of deception and following demon-inspired revelations and theories. 2 Thessalonians 2. Don't be so easily shaken or alarmed by those who say that the day of the Lord has already begun. Don't believe them even if they have claimed to have had a spiritual vision, a revelation, or a letter supposedly from us, the apostles are writing. Don't be fooled by what they say, listen, for that day will not come until there is a great rebellion against God. Other translations say a great falling away, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one who brings destruction. Could it be, my friends, my revival family, and all of those watching online today who want the fullness of revival in your life, in your family, in your church, in your city, in your region, in our nation? Could it be that the great falling away will not be as obvious as we've always thought? A subtle desensitizing of our consciousness and emotions in order to lead into a rebellion against God's truth and against God's word. A falling away from God's truth and God's word. Hear me now. The same deceptive spirit which caused Adam and Eve to doubt and to make choices that were contrary to God's directive is alive and well and active today in this culture. The seduction of a religious spirit which gives you alternative options began in the garden and is still seducing people today leading them in grave misjudgment a perverse spirit a religious perverse spirit ask one leading question and it is this did God really say Casting doubt on the pure word of God. Here's your scripture, Genesis 3. The serpent was the shrewdest of all of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, did God really say, you must not eat of the fruit of any of the trees of the garden? The woman replied, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. And now look what she said. God said, look at your neighbor, say, God said. Turn around and tell somebody behind you, God said. God said. Scream it louder. Say, God said. God said. He 
said, you must not eat it or touch it because if you do, you're going to die. God said, you're going to die. God said, you're going to die. I know this is simple. I know, you, I know you're very smart and intelligent, but I want to make religion mad today. God said, you're going to die if you touch it. You're going to die if you eat it. You're going to die God said, the serpent immediately replies, you won't die. I came to protect the pure today because I want revival to be revival. I don't want a pseudo perverted revival. I came to protect the pure today. You won't die, this shrewd serpent said to the woman. And this is what he said. Listen, God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God. Please notice that phrase. That is a key phrase. As I was reading and rereading this this morning, this key phrase, probably this was what gripped Eve and Adam was, you will be like God. Knowing both good and evil, hear the word of the Lord today. Perverse spirit, did God really say? Does God really mean that? The woman was convinced, verse 6, so she took some of the fruit, gave it to her husband. They ate it too. The spirit, you see, this spirit, a religious spirit, a perverse spirit, as I have defined it to you today, is very convincing. Are you with me? It's very convincing. Remember, remember, subtle desensitizing of conscience and emotions. He convinced her that she was missing out on something that God had for her. She was missing out on an opportunity to be like God. Am I preaching this morning? Come on. And then he manipulatively leads her into an alternative option to choose from. And they took it. And they died. Spiritually. At that moment, their eyes were opened to what, Pastor Kim? Death. Destruction, evil. And suddenly, the Bible says they felt their emotions kicked in. Are y'all listening? A subtle desensitizing of our emotions. Their emotions kicked in. Probably to that point, they didn't, they, they, their emotions were, were glorified, were sanctified, were in the glory all the time. But at this moment, they felt shame. For those of you who came down to the front just a few moments ago, I'm giving you the answer to your problem right now. It's the devil himself that is causing you to feel shame, guilt, loneliness. And it is a lie. It's always been a lie. They felt shame at their nakedness and suddenly they sewed fig leaves together to cover. And the great cover-up started. Oh yeah. You hear how I'm going to work this today. The great cover-up started. It began that early. They were attempting, look at me, 
to gain a level of purity again. Let that sink in. They were attempting to gain a level of purity again. But they had just traded the clothes of glory, my friend. Come on. To this point, they were only in innocence. They were only in purity. They only knew glory and God's essence. But all of a sudden, at one wrong voice that they listened to, they were turned and shifted up underneath of a perverse religious spirit that said there's options here. There's options here. Somebody help me in this revival church. The only options that you have, my friend, are the options that are found in this word. Any deviation from this and you, my friend, have become perverted. Yes? They were attempting to gain a level of purity again, but they had just traded these clothes of glory, if you will, for just a small bit of knowledge that could bring possibly more wisdom. Because another verse says that Eve was enticed because of the, my phrase, my phraseology, potential wisdom that this offered to them. Are you with me? Religion, which prides itself on knowledge, must cover its glory deficit. They partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. At that moment, they had a glory deficit. So any religion that manifests from this point is going to have to find a cover, a front, something that will fool people because of the deficit of glory. There are many covers today. There's covers of entertainment. There's covers of popularity. There's covers of ingenuity. There are covers of structure. But the main way that we can recognize these religious covers is that perversion always points to man, but purity always points to God. I have felt the pressing of the Holy Spirit on this topic of religious spirits uh, in the same intensity that I felt uh, the content that I wrote in Doorkeepers of Revival book. I believe that the two are related as the main opposing force of revival is religion. But hear me now, this perverseness as I have defined it today must be addressed inside and outside of the church. The louder the voice of perversion that keeps screaming in the ears of people, saved and unsaved, did God really say, I say, God, raise up bold voices, all of revival that will send a clarion alarm to keep it pure, keep it pure, keep it pure, protect 
church the pure. God is raising up voices of distinction in this hour. You better be careful who you are listening to. I refuse to allow my voice to become an echo of the mindless and spiritless talking points that are in the church today. I sound the alarm. It's time to keep it pure. You watch where I'm taking this today. The weight of this perverse spirit could quite possibly increase. I believe it will as time moves forward. First Timothy 4.1 bears this out. While I don't want to encumber us today, all of the mockers, don't turn it off yet. With man-made legalistic mindsets that ignore the righteousness and the purity that has been imparted to us in Christ Jesus, who became our cover with his precious blood. I don't want to encumber us with that, but I do know and believe the word bears out that we most definitely cannot ignore that there is a responsibility on our part to live in purity and protect all that is pure. First Timothy 4.12, don't think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say. Live in your love, in your faith, and in your purity. First Thessalonians 4, live holy lives, not impure lives. Colossians 3.5, put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Those scriptures, and there's many more. Sounds like that we have a huge part to play in protecting purity, my friends. People out there in the body of Christ today say that they have been burned by legalistic church. That they have been burned out on legalistic church. Look, I'm not out to defend anything that was inordinate and religious in itself. But my friends, you have to stop using that as an excuse to go all the way to the other side and experiment in impurity and still call yourself a revivalist. Ah, I say keep it pure. Our human hearts and wills cannot be taken out of the equation. Stop writing it out of the Bible. The Bible repetitively exhorts us to guard our hearts, to choose life, to take up our cross, and to follow Jesus. If you take those exhortations out of the word, and many have, then you're left, my friends, with a Bible that only appeals to carnal, humanistic desires and interests. Our God in heaven is a holy God, and he is not out to accommodate you and your fleshly desires. We are to align and accommodate our desires with his commands. Anything less than that, my friends, and we're not Christians. As the weight of this perverse spirit increases, it will deceive and delude to the point where all you can think about, where, where those who only think rationally and carnally will begin and already are compromising core convictions and doctrines of the word of God, having been polluted and seduced into mental error and to false judgment. They have become perverted in their approach to a very holy God. And just like the Garden of Eden, they have bought the lie. Did God really? say 
Philippians 4, 8, finally, brethren, whatever things are pure, meditate on those. We must heavily guard our minds from the ancient scheme of diversion through perversion. The fight for purity began in the garden. Humans were introduced to an alternate way of thinking. And listen to me, thinking affects your seeing. Hear what I'm about to say. Perceptions are altered through perversion and then convictions are compromised. I'll say it again. Perceptions are altered through perversion and then convictions are compromised. Are you hearing what the preacher is preaching today? Let me paint the picture for you in one minute what they were in in the garden God would come down the Bible tells us in the cool of the evening and he would walk with Adam and Eve he would go for a walk with his prized possession of creation humankind Adam and Eve I can't imagine what that walk was like a closeness that was always God's intention and God's desire I came to tell you this morning that God wants to be close to you. God wants to have an intimacy with you like you have never experienced before. And that, my friends, is revival. Stop making it so difficult. Revival is when I draw close to God, when I walk with God, and God walks with me to the point of transforming everything in my life, my church, my home, my city, my nation. We have no understanding or not told how long that this walk was before the actual fall. But God, God had met with them face to face. Interaction with his created creation. The pure, unfiltered glory and presence of God. God would come down in the cool of the evening into the garden. And he would say, walk with me. He would walk with them. We don't know about what they were transpired during the walk. But we are told that man was God's prized creation. The only thing that was created in his image. It could have possibly been an initial unfolding of the eternal revelation of who God is. But most definitely we know that there was an exchange of the God's love because this is who our God is. But the bottom line is this daily walk resulted in an intimate exchange of honor and worship. He honored them and they honored him. There was love exchanged. It was unfiltered innocence and purity until the interruption of the diversion through perversion came to interrupt the walk with a simple phrase that said, did God really say, everybody look at me this morning, if they are in the perfection of the Garden of Eden walking and talking with a holy, holy God, a loving God. Understand this, that if the enemy came up and, and, and came to them and said, did God really say, then you and I better pay attention to what the word of the Lord is this morning because he will creep in and pervert your view of what God requires for revival. Somebody shout protect the pure he interrupted their intimacy with God 
Purity and innocence had been their only atmosphere until diversion through perversion came in. The form of doubting God's word and doubting God's ways. Innocence was violated by the knowledge of good and evil. At that moment, they began to see differently. They saw they were naked. They felt shame. They encountered fear, diversion through perversion, seduced by alternatives in order to pollute the purity of intimacy, causing mental error and false judgment. They became wrongheaded. This, my friend, is a religious spirit. The rest is history. It will offer you an alternative viewpoint, leading you away from innocence and purity, that walk with God, with God's absolutes in his word, to a, toward a path of humanistic thoughts and ways appeasing flesh and ego. Stay with me. The goal of this spirit is to lead you away from God. Hear me now. It's to lead you away from God. Quit justifying your church hurt. Come on, somebody. It's real. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm not saying it wasn't wrong, but quit justifying it. Quit isolating yourself. Quit isolating yourself from what Jesus has commanded and commissioned you to be a part of. And that is the most powerful entity in this earth, the church of Jesus Christ, the living God. I came to make religion mad today and shut the mouth of the mocker that thinks they know it all. But they have no power. The goal of this spirit is to lead you away from the love of God, the truth, and the boundaries of God. All the while convincing you, you're okay, you won't die. Has God really said, oh, you won't die? You're just going to be more like him. He's still using it today. It's a fight. Tell your neighbor it's a fight. We must fight to keep the pure, protect the pure, the raw place where doubt is banned and trust is embraced and undisputed obedience is our goal. In these end times that we are living in, it will require a simple trust that, God's, that what God says is what God means. Come on. Religion will try to cast doubt on absolute truth, but I'm telling you, purity is the root of God's essence. Hear me. Purity. I said protect the pure today. I was driving in my car and the Holy Spirit said protect the pure, Kim. Protect the pure. Protect the pure revivalist because it's the root of God's essence. With, if anything within him were to be tainted, he would cease to be God. Therefore, this pursuit of purity should be the essence and the root of our Christianity. Anything less and we cease to be Christians. Yes. Just because we are imperfect does not give us a license to be impure. That is two very different things, my friend. Imperfection will lead you into an inconsistency in your ability to act occasionally on the right principles. But impurity is much deeper and it produces a systemic responses from a filter of tainted, perverse perceptions because you can't see God because you're up operating under a religious spirit that you have bought the lie. God didn't say that. It's okay. You won't die. Dark will never produce any kind of light. So I came to tell us in this room in our sixth going on seventh year of revival, look for purity. 
Oh, oh, no, no, no. I'll say it again. Look for purity. Look for freedom from anything that contaminates. Look for freedom from anything that pollutes. If in any way it diverts you from God's word and his absolute truth, you better run. You better turn. You better disagree. You better get out of alignment with that person or that movement or that entity. I'm telling you, you better run. Psalm 51.10, David cried out, God, keep creating me a clean heart. Let me tell you the difference between imperfection and, 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 and impurity. David wrote this psalm after his sin of adultery with Bathsheba, but he immediately realized when the prophet had called it out that he had sinned against God and he went into an anguish and a sorrow and one of the things that he said was God created me a clean heart fill me with pure thoughts and holy desires that is ready to please you and don't take your Holy Spirit from me You know why many churches in America today can take Holy Spirit out? Because it's up underneath a perverse spirit. Hear me now. That says it don't matter. Did God really say you needed that? You won't die. I came to make religion mad and squash the lie of the enemy. Take not your Holy Spirit from us, O Lord. The greatest gifts, Father that you can give your sons and daughters is a pure heart. I think that deserves a louder amen. The greatest gift that you can give your babies, your grandbabies, is a pure heart. Fathers, anything else you do will be tainted if your heart isn't pure. False religions obviously are solely religious spirits sent to divert through perversion. I've not been a student of false religions. Many have read a good bit on um, Mormonism because they've tried to surround this valley for way too long. And so we took the gate on that in Mesa a few months ago. And there's more to come. Come on, somebody. We recently had a conversation, my husband and I did, with someone who knows extensively the background of Islam. And they made this very interesting comment about Muhammad, which I believe directly confirms what I have said about the spirit of religion. And I may not be exactly quoting, but they said something like this. Muhammad listened to one wrong voice. And the byproduct was the writing of the Quran leading millions of people away from Jesus Christ as the Son of God. I came to make religion mad. One wrong voice, my friends. Muhammad, Eve, progressive Christianity, they listened to one wrong voice. Did God really say, yeah, you won't die. You're just going to be more like him. If there is any mixture, any diversion, any delusion, 
any confusion, anything that digresses from whatsoever things are pure, if it does not align with the word of God, it is not the voice of God. It is the voice of a perverse religious spirit that is yelling in your ear to get you out of that daily walk of the garden with God, telling you, has God really said? If you hear anything related to that, not even that phraseology, but anything that's going to take you away <clears throat> and divert you away from the purity of this word, you bet, avoid, avoid people, avoid those ministries, avoid the church, avoid the music, avoid the platforms, avoid their Instagram, avoid their Facebook, avoid their YouTube, avoid, 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 avoid. God said, Kim, protect the pure. I told this story to the ladies in our sister's meeting a month or so ago uh, when we, my, my, my daughter and I uh, visited the Billy Graham um, uh, uh, place, library in uh, North Carolina here a month or so ago. And long story short, we saw some interviews with him on late night talk shows. And I may have said this, but it, it proves a point that I want to say, say right now on this point of the message. He was talking to people like Johnny Carson and Woody Allen and Phil Donahue back in, in that era and that day. And they were asking him about his salvation and, and what he believed. They weren't asking about salvation. They asked him what he believed. You know, he says, you know what? It doesn't matter what I believe, but it matters what the Bible said. Come on. Hear what I'm saying. Hear what I'm saying. He says, it doesn't matter what I believe, but it matters what the Bible says. Now, I know, I know that Dr. Graham understands the power of understanding what you believe. He understand, He knew and preached the power of understanding and knowing doctrine, such as my husband preached last week. That's not what I'm talking about. What, what uh, Dr. Graham was trying to tell uh, these carnal, fleshly, perverted talk show hosts that all they were trying to do was to get a laugh at his expense. He was trying, and I'm telling you, he one-upped them, y'all. Come on. He, he looked at them. He says, it really doesn't matter what Billy Graham says. It matters what God says. Because the bottom line, my friend, if you don't believe the Bible, I can't help you, is what Dr. Graham says. If you don't believe the Bible, I can't help you. You hear me what I'm about to say. Everything in this word from cover to cover is truth. It is absolute. It is inerrant. There is nothing that is wrong. There is nothing that is false. You may not understand it all. You may not be able to figure it all out. But I'm telling you, it is is truth if you don't believe the bible my friend i can't help you but if you believe if you have faith to believe what is in these pages i'm telling you that god can set you free from the lie that has been come on entangling you the lie that says you're not gonna die one wrong voice my friends Psalm 119, 140, your word is very pure. Hear me now. Watch how I turn this. The manifestation of confusion in our culture. I came to protect the pure in this month that they have named pride. The manifestation of the confusion in our culture is what I believe is a mirror and a manifestation that is directly linked to the confusion that the religious spirit brings. The misjudgment, the mental error, the seduction, the corruption. Did you hear me? The manifestation of confusion. I say it again. I think I said it here recently. You don't have anything to be confused about. What it says in here is every answer that you need. It's that simple. God's word brings clarity. God's word is pure. Because as Dr. Graham says, it matters what the Bible says. So many trends and fads are indoctrinating our children and even adults to accept, abnormal, to accept as normal, abnormal, perverse ways and thought patterns. 
I told this to the ladies a, a month or so ago. You got these t-shirts. It just aggravates me. Y'all just got to get into my mind here. It aggravates me to see people that have t-shirts that say be kind. Now, if you have one of those t-shirts, I love you. I love you. I love you. But it aggravates me because I know, I know that it is not coming from a biblical posture. When it says be kind, it's not coming from a biblical posture. It's coming from a perverted humanistic viewpoint of tolerance. In other words, what they're saying, I want you to be kind to me. I want, I, what they're really saying is I want you to be permissive of my perversion. I want you to be tolerant. Whatever, I want you to be permissive of my perversion, whatever perversion that may be. And then the next phrase is, don't be mean to me. Don't hate me. I'm not mean. I'm truthful. And truth will offend perversion every single time. Are you with me? Hallelujah. I came to make religion mad. Don't be mean to me. I, I just feel to say that again. Don't be mean to me. Anybody that really knows me, when you get one-on-one, I'm not going to be mean to you. I preach hard, and I don't apologize for that, my friends. I do not apologize for that. But truth will offend our perversion every single time. The spirit of religion will package, package biblical principles in a perverted wrapping, just using just enough truth to cause you to accept the distortion of religion that is wrapped in this package with a phrase that says, did God really say? You see, purity has been greatly compromised, compromised in our nation and for many generations, but like never before, we are seeing an acceptance and a permissiveness towards perverse lifestyles and agendas. And on a mass scale, urgently now, urgently in 2021, they are trying to legislate legislate abnormality and perversion and anti-biblical agendas. It is a very big deal, American church, that they have used government to legislate perversion. It's a very big deal. Psalm 119.4 says God has prescribed the right way to live, obeying his laws with all of our hearts. Purity is not popular in our culture, and it is also unfortunately not popular in the carnal church. You turn on the evening news, you turn on the average seeker church today and you'll not hear any challenge against perversion and against homosexuality and against anything that come on that has become popular in our culture today. It is not popular but I'm telling you purity is important to God because God is pure. Jesus is pure. Everything that he is is pure. Jesus always brought everything back to pure. Every time he brought it back to pure every action every thought he said you said do not commit adultery Jesus says I say you even look at a woman with lust in your heart and it's already like you've been in bed with her hear the word of the Lord bring it back to pure This is how God thinks, but this is not what you hear on the evening news. And this is not sadly what you hear in many pulpits. But I'm telling you, Psalm 119.9 is still true today. How can a young man stay pure? Only by living in the word of God and walking in its truth. Somebody shout, protect the pure. 
Give me a few more minutes. Adam and Eve walked with truth. This psalm says, live in the word and walk in its truth. Okay, now let me say this, and I'm going to address some things. Look at your neighbor and say, we got to protect the pure. When purity is lost, but yet somehow, because they know better in some small way, they still want to be linked to purity, but they've lost purity. That is when religion is created. The cover-up begins. Because compromise always needs a cover-up. This is how so many movements that have come out, as my husband has talked about in these last few weeks, that are lulling people into a false sense of security, saying, no, 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 you won't die. God didn't really mean that. As long as I have a voice, I will not be an echo of the mindless, spiritless voices that are propagating the lie, the ultimate lie of the enemy. This is how religion is formed. Something that has lost a resemblance of pure, but has lost innocence. Excuse me, something that has a resemblance of pure, but it has no innocence because it believed the lie. Did God really say? Who then shall ascend the mountain of Yahweh? Psalm 24. Who has the privilege of entering in to God's holy place? Those who are clean, whose works and ways are pure, whose hearts are true and sealed by the truth, who never deceive, whose words are sure. Psalm 15. Yahweh, God, who dares to dwell with you, who presumes the privilege of being close to you, living next to you? Look at this. In your shining place of glory, they are passionate and wholehearted. They are always sincere and speaking truth, for their hearts are trustworthy. The commentary to this Psalm 15 says this. If we will dwell in the holy place, there must first be a holy place in our spirits where God can dwell. It goes on to say that God's guests must submit to the holiness that lives there. There is an etiquette for God's house revealed in Psalm 15, he said. Psalm 15 deals, watch, that we are to live in a shining place. This is the place of God's fire, God's presence, and God's glory. Watch how I say this now. It is interesting to me that in Revelation, to the church of Thyatira, all the churches, the seven churches, were called lampstands. The last time I checked, if you're a lampstand, you burn. Come on. The last time I checked, when you burn, that means you have fire. And one thing that fire does is that it purifies. I will say this. A burning church will be a pure church. Look for purity. Look for burning. Because these are the lampstands that Jesus is walking in the midst of. 
To the church at Thyatira, Jesus approaches as the one whose eyes are as blazing fire. In this lampstand, he warns them of their tolerance of Jezebel who seduces people, teaching that sexual immorality and perversion is permissible. Can I tell you right now that sexual immorality is a byproduct of a deeper issue that you have convinced yourself, did God really say? Hear what I'm saying? This church is tolerating Jezebel and the one thing that is pointed out is he warns them that she is seducing people teaching that sexual immorality is permissible it doesn't start there it starts with a seed of religion believing the ancient lie of diversion through perversion that you're not going to die you're just going to have another level of knowledge and be like God can y'all help me preach in this revival church because I got something else to lay down before we walk out of here today. You hear what I'm saying? Jesus gives grave warnings, deadly warnings if this church doesn't repent because not only did she want to seduce them in sexual immorality, that was just the byproduct. The underlying current was she wanted to bring in mixture of Baal worship with worship of Yahweh. She wanted to bring in another worship another God oh it's not called Baal in the church today but there are so many perverse things that we stand week after week giving ourselves to and the Holy Spirit sent me up here to tell you that Jesus will remove the influence of the lampstands that tolerate mixture in your life in your church in your ministry in your home shout protect the pure it seems that in our modern church culture we have forgotten these portions of the bible come on we don't get to pick and choose what's in there it seems to be a current trend not to be confrontational and because of that we are left with situational dysfunction in personal lives and in church congregations. When these things go unchecked and unchallenged, they remain unchanged. Non-confrontationalism in the name of quote love in quote is setting a false precedent contrary to how Jesus lived and taught. But if you marry that love to uncompromising truth, even if it's confrontational, it creates a healthy atmosphere needed for a thriving soul and spirit. Anything less than that, my friends, is a mutation of God's original intention for displaying his love. There is a false grace and a false love that has and is being preached with a packaging. Did God really say it has made grace blind and it has made love perverted? Why is it in the body of Christ that we have lost the consideration of purity and you're telling me as a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ and as a grandmother of three beautiful children that I'm not to confront this thing called impurity you look at me and you call me salty you call me whatever you want seriously how is it that we can be quiet when somebody points at us and says you're just too salty I come to tell you I will speak truth protect the pure on behalf of my grandsons on behalf of my granddaughters on behalf of revival protect the pure 
you choose popular and ignore impurity. That popular person, young people, if they are impure, you better hit the unfollow button. You better delete them from your song choices. Why is it that we choose popular? Just because they're popular, I'm just gonna keep following them. Why? I refuse to keep propping up someone's popularity at the expense of impurity. I came to make religion mad. I'll tell you why you can keep following because something has whispered in your ear, you're not going to die. Did God really say? We've been conditioned by religious spirit to accept popular at any cost. Let me tell you something. Preachers aren't perfect, but they should be pure. Worship leaders are not perfect, but they should be pure. Prophets, apostles, pastors are not perfect, but you should be pure. I'm going to scream it again. Look for purity. When you see or you hear anyone that will defend any type of impurity and they claim to be a quote Christian, my friends, they are perverted. And they have bought the lie. Did God really say? They are formed without power. They may sing the same lyrics that you sing. They may quote the same verse, but their heart is perverse. They are misguided, they are polluted, they are mixture, they are defiled. Did God really say is what they have believed. Shit. I came to tell you today, you better keep your, your integrity because it's hard to get back. God doesn't wink. God doesn't look at that popular music artist. I'm talking about Christians. Or that popular preacher. I say, oh my goodness, no worries. They have 110,000 followers. No worries, they've become popular. So just, just ignore that remark. Ignore that photo, that adultery. Just ignore that mixture. No. Can I preach? Can I say some things that need to be said? The last day swirl of the religious spirit the spirit of the Antichrist is going to require that the church has clear eyes and pure eyes to discern accurately. Look at me. I'm almost done. Fire purifies. That Jesus came to this church who tolerated Jezebel with fire in his eyes, that's important. Because when you look into those eyes, my friend, of fire, it will change every aspect. My, my, my concern is that much of the Christians today are not looking into the eyes of fire. They're singing about them. They're talking about them. They're putting a tag of revival on it. But they're not looking into the eyes of fire. Because when I look in the eyes of fire, it burns out all of what I am to make me like him. A lampstand that has been purified by fire. And so, in this month that they have named Pride, I came to protect the pure. Because the Bible tells us that 
homosexuality is wrong. And actually, any sexual sin is wrong. These are not going to be on the screen, but if you need biblical reference, please write down. 1 Corinthians 6, 18, run from sexual sin. Hebrews 13, 4, God will judge those immoral and who are, commit adultery. 2 Timothy 2.22, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust, pursue righteousness, enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Colossians 5.3.5, put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Ephesians 5.3, let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Exodus 20.14, you must not commit adultery. Leviticus 8, it's getting quiet in here. Leviticus 18.22, do not practice homosexuality. If you need a reference, there you go. A Leviticus 18. 22, do not practice homosexuality, having sex with another man as with a woman. It is a detestable sin. Romans 1, 26 through 32, God abandoned them. Who is them? Those who had turned from their natural way to have sex into an unnatural way, women with women and men with men. Romans 1, 26 through 32. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10, don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin, who worship idols, commit adultery, are male uh, prostitutes. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. First Timothy 1, 8 through 10, we know that the law is good when used correctly, etc., etc. The law is for people who are sexually immoral, practice homosexuality, uh, liars, promise breakers, slave traders who do anything else that contradicts the wholesome teaching. And the last one that I have today is Jude 7. Do not forget Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring towns, which were filled with immorality and every kind of sexual perversions. Those cities were destroyed by fire and served as a warning of the eternal fire of God's judgment. I gave you Bible. I gave you Bible. Now, I promise you I'm almost done, but I've got to give you this. Following in the footsteps of my husband, I have an article. Come on, somebody. It's awesome. Wasn't really looking for it, but I found it. And literally, this is the title. After I had already written my sermon, Revisionist Gay Theology, Did God Really Say? Revisionist Gay Theology. You see, it was the king of pride himself who said the phrase, did God really say? It's the king of pride. This won't be long. I have just a few sentences. Revisionist gay theology questions 5,000 years of Judeo-Christian teaching. How do Christians explain what the Bible says about homosexuality? This particular revisionist theology, gay theology says, the homosexual rights ideology continues to seek legitim legitimization and approval, not just tolerance, of homosexual behavior, resulting in rapidly changing societal morals and values. Homosexual activists and their allies know 
that Judeo-Christian sexual ethic found in the Bible is the last bastion of defense holding back the widespread embrace of homosexuality throughout culture. In their landmark homosexual public relations manual that was published in 1989, boldly encouraged gays to muddy the moral waters that is to undercut the rationalizations that justify religious bigotry and to jam some of its psychic rewards, raising serious theological objections to conservative biblical teachings, undermining the moral authority of homo-hating churches by portraying such institutions as antiquated backwaters badly out of step with the times and with latest findings of psychology, end quote. The propaganda campaign aimed at biblically orthodox believers has been launched with the goal of sowing, watch, go back to the very beginning of the message, sowing seeds of doubt about God's commands concerning homosexual behavior. Sowing seeds of doubt. Revisionist, I'm almost done, gay theology, and it's presently playing out, is in denomination after denomination with increasing discord, recalling the serpent's question to Eve in Genesis 3, did God really say? Last sentence. As we face revisionist theology, God's commands are clear that no one is to engage in homosexual behavior. The intended effect of revisionist gay theology is to disengage the church from the wider cultural debate about homosexuality by redefining it as God-ordained and morally permissible. And just like the serpent's temptation to Eve in the garden, leaders in the, quote, gay, quote, Christian movement are tempting us with the question, did God really say that homosexuality is a sin. In case you're wondering where this article came from, focus on the family. I know what time it is. There is a call of revival. And this is the, this is the call. Come into intimate communion with Jesus Christ. Help me, Holy Ghost. Where did it all start? It started with the diversion of perversion that interrupted the intimate walk with a holy God. We could talk about this, this, that, and the other today of why this happens in a person's life and I'm all about inner healing and deliverance and all of this kind of stuff. We do that here at Fresh Start. But I'm preaching the word today. The word will bring deliverance to you today. Whether you're homosexual, in tendencies, in sexual sin, not even in that, but you're far from God today or online. The answer and the answer to revival in the modern church is to come into intimacy. Walk with God. Walk with God. Walk with God in unbroken fellowship. 
in unhindered intimacy. Walk with him in absolute surrender to his commands and his ordinances. You see, this is where Adam and Eve were before the shrewd serpent came in with the diversion of perversion. They were in an atmosphere of glory. They were in an atmosphere of perfection. If I could get the worship team to come watch, pay attention. This is not a dismissal. Watch what I'm about to say. They were in an atmosphere of complete glory, of complete utter glory saturated with all that God was. They didn't have the Bible then. No, but they had God. Come on. They had God. They had God. And a very simple instruction at the beginning of time, God had given them everything that they needed. Help me, Holy Ghost. God had given them everything that they needed in that garden. Our minds can't go there because we have tainted finite minds now because of the fall. But what the Word of God shows us is that everything they needed and desired was in that garden. God himself, the glory of God. I'm telling you, friends, if you will get the glory of God in intimate con uh, con connection and, and, and communion with him, it'll be the answer to all of your problems. I promise this to you today. The hurt will go away. The pain, I'm not going to say it's not going to be a process, but what I am promising you is that every dysfunction and every abnormality and every distorted view that you have concocted in your mind that it's I'm not going to die God didn't really say that you're going to open up this word and you're going to get an intimate communion with a holy God and that holy God is going to show you you were in error you didn't understand but the enemy came and gave you a lie and has confused you but God will open his heart of love and God will open his heart of mercy and he'll say if you come close, if you just walk with me, if you just talk with me, if you just fellowship with me, then everything that you need is wrapped up in this communion with who I am. Stand on your feet all over this building today because God is calling us to walk with him. Throw your hands in the air. Come down to this altar right now. We're going to pray. We're going to protect the pure. Thank you for listening in to the Fresh Start Church podcast, where we exist to influence a nation with revival. You can order Pastor Kim's book, Doorkeepers of Revival, at doorkeepersofrevival.com. And you can listen to Fresh Start Revival Worship on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you stream your music. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time.